This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Today's message is entitled, As for Me and My House, We Shall Serve the Lord. And I want to go through this passage in a practical way that applies to you and your family. When did Joshua say, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Did he say this when he was young? No. The context here we're going to discover is when he was very old. Now some of you in your 80s and 90s still refuse to think you're old. And that's good. Because what does the Bible consider very old? He died when he was 110. So he said this uh, probably on the other side of 100. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Now why would a person who's very old make that declaration, that commitment? You would think he would make that when he was young. And the answer is yes, he did make that when he was young. But he is calling on his family, the family of Israelites, to say with him, as for me and our homes, we shall serve the Lord. So he's saying this as an example, as a prompt. Please carry the torch of faith. Now this past Thursday in our prayer meeting, we were lamenting the fact that you could raise a kid in the faith. And then when they grow up, they leave that faith. They no longer actively live for the Lord. They don't walk with the Lord. They don't serve the Lord. Many of us have prodigals in our family. They know better. They heard the truth. And wouldn't be great to see that turned around. How could that be turned around? The Bible lays it out right here. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to go through it. God wants you, with your family, to recall what God has done. By bringing to your family members remembrance and attention the amazing things God has done for you and your family, you recall the faithfulness of God. Secondly, explain what obedience looks like. A lot of young people today are turning away from the faith because of the institution of the church and how it's been misused. And we got to direct them to focus in on Jesus. Not jump through a bunch of spiritual hoops and do a bunch of gymnastics to try to prove that they're Christians, follow Jesus. And then point out the 
benefits to your family members of obeying the Lord and the consequences for disobeying. Isn't that the truth? We need to just lay it out. You want to live a blessed life? Or do you want to have trouble upon trouble upon trouble? Live for the Lord. And then, we need to call for commitment to the Lord that will rely upon the Holy Spirit to fulfill. Yes, you need to say to your son or daughter, don't you want to live for the Lord? Don't you see the benefits of living for the Lord? Wouldn't you want to choose this road and get them to respond? And if they respond positively and say, yes, seeing your faith that you have served the Lord, I know better. I want to turn around. I want to come back to my spiritual home. And then have your family members sign and post a commitment in their room if they still live at home or in their house, wherever they live. We're going to see this as we walk through Joshua 23 and 24. Joshua 23, 1 to 3. After a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua, by then a very old man, summoned all of Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them, I am very old. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. You see what Joshua's doing? Before he died, He wants to call his family to commitment. But before he calls them to commitment, he wants to tell them how great God is. Don't ever forget that any blessing you have, any success you've enjoyed, it's because God is the source and supplier. God fought for you. God protected you. God provided you. God healed you. God gave you hope. He gets all the glory. He gets all the credit. We honor him. So in Joshua chapter 24, uh, verses 2 to 13, when Joshua did this a second time and gathered the leaders, he said, Long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River, and worshipped other gods. Let me give you a background of the spiritual uh, life of our family. You know, we had an ancestor, his name was Abraham, and he was an outright pagan, and he worshipped other gods. Verse 3, But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants, I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I signed the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. He's saying, God saved our great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, Abraham. And he saved and led um, our great-great-great-great-other grandfathers. And, verse 5, then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. When I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, 
And he brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw it with your own eyes, what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. So as Joshua's recounting the faithfulness of God, he's saying, look at the miracles God's done for our family. I mean, our people were in bondage in Egypt, and God caused 10 plagues, the last one, to shake Pharaoh to let us go. And then when he pursued us with his 600 chariots, God put darkness between us and him, split the Red Sea, and caused a wind to dry it, and two million of us walked across the Red Sea, and when the Egyptians tried to follow us, the sea closed on them and they drowned. God was fighting for us. God was protecting us. Let's not forget our family heritage, uh, our spiritual history. Let's rehearse it. Let's celebrate it. Let's keep bringing it to mind, to our attention. And verse 8, I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. Then they fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam, so he blessed you again and again. I delivered you out of his hand. So not only did God give victory to the children of Israel, but then when um, Balak hired Balaam to curse Israel, he had him step on this tall um, butte or mountain and look down at Israel where he could have cursed Israel. And every time Balaam opened his mouth, he blessed Israel instead of cursing it. God was protecting the people of Israel physically, spiritually, mentally, and in their morale. Praise God for his faithfulness. Verse 11, Then you crossed the Jordan and came to, the Jer to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow so I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build and you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Isn't that the grace of God? That God fought for us and God provided for us what we don't even deserve. God has abundantly blessed our family. And that's where we are today, rehearsing and celebrating and thanking God for his faithfulness. God is great and greatly to be praised. Now, after you go and point out the benefits and consequences, what are the benefits and the consequences? The benefits of obedience and the consequences of disobedience. In Joshua 23, 9 to 13, first you recall the faithfulness of God. Then you explain what obedience looks like. Joshua 23, 6 to 8. Be very strong, be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. So obedience takes strength of conviction. Obedience is to be careful to be obedient, to pay attention to be obedient, to follow through on what you hear. And 
It's not turning to the side, to the right or to the left. It's not compromising. That's what obedience is. And uh, Joshua continues to point out what obedience looks like. He says, and don't associate with those nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of the gods they swear by, and, and you must not serve them or bow down to you, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. So when you explain obedience to your kids and say, we're working towards you making a commitment, obedience is getting back to the authority for all life and practice, the Bible. This is the instructor's manual. This is how to live your life. This is how to live for eternity. This is how to be blessed. Get back to the Word and don't veer from it. And, you know, we make it very complicated, but Jesus made it very simple. He said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yoke means my teaching. My teaching is easy and my burden is light. Jesus did not lay heavy burdens on people as to what they had to do in order to be loved and accepted by God. But the Pharisees did. The religious leaders of Jesus' day laid a heavy burden on people that they wouldn't even use a finger to lift themselves. Jesus' teaching was very clear. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbors yourself. That summarizes it all, doesn't it? So in 1 John chapter 3, verse 23, and write that reference down, 1 John 3, 23, it says very simply, and this is his command, that we should believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. That's it. Believe on Jesus and love one another. That's the faith. Anything beyond that is trying to add to God's word and complicate the simple Christian life. Believe on Jesus and love one another. So you explain what obedience looks like, and then you point out the benefits and consequences of obedience and disobedience. Joshua 23, 14. Now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. That's a euphemism for I'm, a, I'm about to kick the bucket. And that's a euphemism for I'm about to die. And so when he says that, he says, you know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. So you start by telling him, God is a promise keeper, and he promises good to those who are obedient, and he promises discipline and rough times for those who are disobedient. So he said, in terms of the benefits, in chapter 23, verse 9, the Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of your routes, one of you, routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. There's the, po the positive, the benefit of obedience. You, when you obey the Lord, are a majority. God fights for you, and just you can scare off a thousand of the enemy. So be careful to love the Lord and receive his blessing. But if you turn... Uh, from the, away from the Lord, and you al ally yourself with the world, 
with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. In other words, family member, you want to be blessed? You want to experience God's favor? Obey the Lord and his word. Do you want nothing but aggravation and torture and pain and suffering and uh, deep frustration? Then disobey the Lord because you'll be miserable. That's the truth. Disobedience leads to misery and obedience leads to blessing and joy. Point that out. And then, once you do that, call for commitment. So here's the appeal that Joshua makes to his family. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites, or in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will continue to serve the Lord. This is the context of those famous words. He's calling them to commitment. Guess what, family member? God's given you a free choice. You can make a decision. It's your life. You can choose to worship false gods, money, sex, um, success, uh, prestige. You can chase after those things, but you won't be satisfied and it won't last forever. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's an appeal from the dad's heart to the kids. Please see that everything else is a counterfeit to the real thing. The Lord is the real thing. Commit yourself to serve him. And guess what happens when um, he calls them for commitment? They're, they're kind of eager to, to go ahead and commit. And he says to them in Joshua 24, 19 and 24, Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. What is Joshua saying? Didn't you just call your family members to a commitment? Did you say, say with me, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. And then he says, but you can't do it. It's like, you know, that scene in the movie, you can't handle the truth. It's like, you can't live the Christian life in your own strength. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The only way we can live the Christian life in obeying the word and serving the Lord is through the power of the Spirit of God living inside of us. Paul writes, and write this reference down, Galatians 3.3, 3, Galatians 3.3, 3, Are you so foolish and senseless, having begun your new life by faith with the Spirit? Are you now being perfected and reaching spiritual maturity by the flesh, that is, by your own works and efforts to keep the law? It's by the Holy Spirit. So when you read Romans 7 and Romans 8, Romans 7 says, Oh, wretched man that I am, that 
I don't do the things I want to do, and I do the things I don't want to do. Who will deliver me from this body of sin? And then he says, praise God for Jesus. Praise God for the Holy Spirit. And Romans 8 goes into the Holy Spirit. Set your mind on the Spirit and the things He desires. So how do we live the Christian life? By the power of the Holy Spirit. How do you tap into the power of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's inside you. You say, Lord, I want to obey you. Empower me to follow through. And the Holy Spirit will do that. He will do everything in your life to shape you to be more like Jesus in character and in conduct. So when Josh was calling for commitment here, he wants to make sure they don't want to do it in this power of the flesh because they're going to fail. So then finally, you have the family members sign and post that yes, we want to recommit ourselves to the Lord. We want to reaffirm our faith. We want to live for the Lord. We want to be blessed and we don't want to be cursed. That makes a lot of sense, Mom, Dad. Thank you for telling us before you die. And says here, in Joshua 24, 19, 24. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said, your witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we're witnesses. They're exercising their free will and they're saying, yes, we want to serve the Lord. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. Do you see what's happening here? Joshua rehearsed the faithfulness of God. He explained what obedience looks like. He pointed out there's blessing for obedience and there's a, a curse for disobedience. He called for commitment and he said, what is your free will decision? And they said, we want to be blessed. We want to follow the Lord. We want the good future that God has for us. We want to remain in the land. And I just can't help but emphasize that God does not twist our arm behind our back and force us to do his will against our own. God wants us to choose. God wants us to voluntarily love him because we want to love him. So after they affirm their free choice, he has the family members sign and post their commitment. And we can read about this in Joshua 24, 20, verses 25, 26. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. He took a large stone and set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. And he said, this stone is the witness because it has heard your commitment. Now this is very interesting. He's saying an inanimate object as a stone has heard their commitment. What he's saying is that this stone is a testament to you choosing to follow the Lord and serve him. Every time you see the stone, it's a reminder of the decision that you made. So in modern day, you can bring out your computer and you can pick a fancy font that looks pretty stylish and you can write, um, the Diaz family has chosen to follow and serve the Lord. And we all agree. And each one signs it. And you frame it. And you put it in your house. I've got one in my house and then my son would have one in his house and my daughter would have one in her house. 
And we all are saying, yes, as a family, we have reaffirmed we want to love and serve the Lord. And we've got a testament. We've got a witness. Every time I look at that plaque or that framed agreement with the signatures, it reminds me we want to serve the Lord. So here's my imagineering, this text applied to our families. What if somehow you reread what I talked about, put it in your own words, and had a family meeting and said, let's talk about our faith. I know some of you have moved away from the faith and rejected the faith, but I just, as my responsibility before I die, I just want to tell you why it's so important to believe. It's up to you. You could say, nope, I don't want to believe. I don't want to sign anything. Um, and that's also a testament that they've made a choice the other way. But as I read and studied this, I was so blessed because of the punchline, which is Joshua's legacy. Joshua 24, 29, and 31. After these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. Here's the legacy, verse 31. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. Isn't that a wonderful legacy? That Joshua led by example of faith and his family wanted to follow that faith. And the elders he had given instruction to who took over leadership after he died they also committed to continuing the covenant of following the Lord and obeying him. So the legacy of Joshua was the positive impact he made on his family beyond his life. It, his, the faith in his family didn't end when he died. It continued. And you know, there's two kinds of memorials. There's a memorial stone that you can get with your name chiseled into that. And that, that's an impressive memorial. Or there's the memorial that's walking around on two legs. Wouldn't it be great to have your family members walking with the Lord because you challenged them? You just pleaded with them. The Lord through you made the appeal. This makes the most sense. Follow the Lord and be blessed. Don't follow the Lord and be tortured and frustrated and miserable. Have temporary happiness, but not lasting satisfaction. You see, the only foundation that's big enough to build our life upon is Jesus Christ. You might build your life on your looks. That doesn't last very long. You may build your life on your finances. Something can happen and you can lose them. You might build your life on something, on a relationship, and that can end. Build your life on the foundation of Jesus. He's the cornerstone. He's the rock, the solid rock that can handle your life so that you're deeply satisfied and what you do matters for all eternity. That's the way to live. Call your family and get them to understand this then the results are up to them. They get to choose. Yes, mom, dad, I'll buy into that. No, mom, dad, I've rejected that. And you can only commit them unto the Lord and keep praying for them. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, thank you that you've given us from your word a very clear process by which to talk to our family, to remind them of your great faithfulness, to show them that obedience is faith in Jesus and loving one another, to point out that it's better to be obedient and be blessed than to be disobedient and miserable. Lord, may our family members reconsider the direction their lives are going if they are prodigals. By your Holy Spirit, convict them that they need to return to the Lord, that they need to live for you, that joy and happiness and satisfaction and peace come from fixing our eyes upon Jesus. So Lord, I pray for every family that has prodigals. I pray for every family that has faithful followers that commitments would be made to live for the Lord that will outlive us, that for generations to come, people will want to say, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Amen. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.